But the Oscars, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you who went, what they wore, what the movies are about. I was about to say, <laughs> I'm fine. more up on, what was it? Uh, TV. Danielle Pennock doing yes. the <laughs> Casting Award? Associations Awards or something like that. Yeah, that's the most glamorous thing that's happened on my timeline. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ashley Nicole Black hosted something, too. Like, oh, really? <laughs> she hosted, I think, oh, maybe shit. the Writers Guild or yeah, something. Yeah, I think you it was know, WGA. The, the really good unions that people are in. <laughs> I I did not realize that, and this is just my own ignorance, like, I did not know that there were awards, it, like, in those different fields and, like, those, I don't know. I just didn't know that they had their own award shows. Mm-hmm. Open up your third eye, man. There's other award shows out there. Yeah. <laughs> what we need is the craft services awards. Actually, um, they would do better if they had the awards. The Rody Awards? <gasps> oh, my God. Your favorite Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I would love, like, set crew award shows that still go to, like, actors, but it's, like, the nice-to-work-with awards. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Because that's, that's what I really want to know. I want like the Foley Awards, but when each person goes up to pick their award, they have to make it sound like they're walking <laughs> on some different <laughs> surface. party a party that an entire town is participating in um, y'all have heard from Jonnet about what it was like growing up in Acheron you've, you've seen a small peek into this community at the time that you've stayed here that this is a close-knit place to hear people look out for each other people do the work together but here right now, you can see that that also means that people celebrate together. There is music, there is food, there is excitement because a few members of their community have taken their first steps into adulthood. And that's a big thing to celebrate. Now, Travis, we know that uh, since the deturkifying for you, you did I have a meeting with a Swiftwell courier where they delivered to you a bird. The bird that you flew to, to victory in the Bougenith Ayrpiora race and gave you two letters. One addressed to you from Margaret and the other addressed to Gable. How do you two find each other? Like My question is, does Travis start to look for Gable or you know how do you handle that sort of responsibility I think since we're both kind of at the same place Travis doesn't look for them but sort of you know goes up grabs a drink mingles around in the in the way that he normally would at a party knowing 
the Hancockian nature of their relationship will eventually bring them together. (laughs) I really like this. Travis in the times when he really needs to see Gable, uh, when he hasn't been instructed with a specific job from Margaret or whatever, just understands their relationship and knows that they will simply come together at, at a point during this evening. Then I guess the question I have for Liz, Liz, you are not tasked with this responsibility. You simply helped your 15-year-old friend, you know, pull off a job. How are you celebrating and how does that path lead you to a quiet moment with Travis? Gable is taking the time to run a sort of very quick auction of the barn owls that we've taken over a a quick drunken pirate auction Mm, of like what can people throw in what do you want what do you want here and so they're sitting on the roof next to the owls and going well looks like over here for our fine beacon friends chester here has got a casket full of delicious berry wine but i don't know berry wine will go fallow by the winter does anyone else have anything that they can put up for a good uh, a fine feather friend here oh that's good that is so fucking funny i'm i gotta i gotta draw a luminary for that i simply have to oh fuck it's the island um, james you didn't need to draw a luminary you just said something I just, well, I wanted to know how the auction ended up, Liz. How could it go so bad? How could it go so bad? I mean, the, the answer to that is clear. That is, you run this auction and the birds fly away. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, no. Like, Gable, like, ah, yes, we've completed the auction. Like, everybody is, like, piling up their stuff, pushing it. Gable, like unsteadily because maybe maybe there's a little bit of drink involved or whatever like makes your way down from the roof and by the time you get down the owls have all flown away (laughs) all right for you you get fine barreled who's the wide number and then oswald over here is going with the fine lady and let me just grab the ring oh oh no oh oh you all saw that. You saw them leave, and you didn't tell me. <laughs> you saw them fly away. You didn't I, say anything. I don't know how to stop a big owl. But you didn't. I could have. Oh. Oh well. Hey! We want the redhead. <laughs> you shan't get the redhead. You shan't. So, like, yeah, you're, you're coming off of this auction. There is still merriment. There are some people, you know, kind of laughing. Uh, there are some people lamenting the loss of their big owl. And I think Gable is hit with a feeling, a familiar feeling. The, the force of a handcock working its way, pulling you James in a direction. James does a handcock. It's hand. Mm, hand. I said you said You said handcock. You said handcock. <laughs> did I really? You That's really did. Oh, okay. You feel the force of a handcock pulling you, pulling you inevitably towards a force that you wish you could be drawn away from, but, but you know it is time. Travis waits. What does what this place that you meet look like? How is it? How, I, the details that I need are how is it far away enough that you can't be heard but can still observe everyone? I think that is 
thematically important and what what bit of what small bit of comfort awaits you there what type of where is the party taking place is it inside or outside I think it's outside. I think the whole thing, like there might be a bonfire or something like sort of a mini town festival thing that happens because you did the running of the turkeys. Everybody was gathered around for that. So I think that Travis is waiting sort of at the edge of the tree line. Honestly, I think he's probably sitting in in the tree just watching the party. And he tree. he has one drink for himself, a, a maelstrom. And what what's Gable's drink of choice? Didn't we? I don't think we've ever picked out a drink of choice, mm. but we have the terrible liquor that you and I share. Oh yeah, the Malort equivalent. Mm. The the. Didn't we name it after a Star Wars? Yeah, probably. It was the guy, the mummy guy. Who's the Dengar? Who hangs out with the Dengar? Yeah, yeah it's, it's called Dengar. Because <laughs> of course he would. He would get himself something nice and something nasty for me. That's fair. <laughs> Do you want me to come up? Or shall you get down to me? I feel like um, Gable is so tall that you're basically looking. <laughs> we're basically looking eye to eye anyway. Well, I I didn't even ask you to come here. I si- did simply knowing that a a gentle Hancock would push you this way was all I needed. I, I don't like us solidifying the thing that it is. Because then I don't have plausible deniability to ignore you. Because then I, if we both know what it is, then I have to fulfill the obligation and I would like to not be able to do that forever until we both die. Well, that clearly you've never seen the 2008 film Hancock because that was sort of the whole thrust of it was them trying to deny... Again, the Hancockian nature of their relationship. I I, you're, I only saw the first third of that play, before, so I will say that if I don't. Before we get too into the reason we're really here, do do, uh-huh. do has anyone seen Hancock? Does this even no! make yes! sense to anyone? You oh, in the audience? No, our audience is way too young to have seen Hancock. <laughs> They, if they know anything, it is probably the extent that the the fine actor w- w- Wall Smart, who he uh, they probably know that it's about him being a bad superhero, and that's about it. And now, isn't it funny that that came out the same year as Iron Man and the Dark Knight? Hmm. A real right, a- right around the same time. It was the fourth highest grossing film of two thousand eight. Uh, anyway, Mr. July, I have a drink for you. <laughs> I I wouldn't call Dengar a drink, but thank you. Well, what would you call it? I'd call it a I'd call it a drink. I'm not a clever one. You are. I, oh, I want to point out as Travis throws down the bottle of Dengar that Dengar is served in a glass bottle that is wrapped in like a bandage like material mm. that that that's going to be our homage <laughs> why does this smell so bad in a new different way <laughs> that's just the way it smells i guess but the ba- <laughs> the label says dengar that's just the way it smells <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. Can, all right, can we get down to business? I would like to have one night where we don't have an air of gloom or destiny about us. <laughs> Funny you should say that. <sighs> um, I was visited by a courier who gave me two letters. One was for me, and one was for you. And they made me promise or something that I would give it to you. That's strange. Why would they release my mail to you? And why wouldn't they just send it to the ship? I'll be honest with you. It feels like this happened over a month ago, so I barely remember. I know. (laughs) Time moves weird these days. All right. Was it? It's just mail? That's what this. Well, yeah, but I feel like most of the mail we get is, I'll be honest, junk mail that we're forced to read once a day. Mm -hmm. And this feels more important because it didn't come in the big junk mail sack that most of our mail comes in. Certified. Mm -hmm. I hope we're not getting a cease and desist. And I will say, Travis would remember that part of the wrinkle and part of the reason that you accepted this letter for intended for Gable is that it is addressed to Uriel. So that's fuck. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you for reminding me. Um, there is one more thing before I give you this letter. A lot of preamble for mail. If we aren't both accepted and we have to go to different colleges, I still want to be friends. Just give, just give me, just give me the mail. Just give me the mail. When you see it, just know that it is. For you. That's what you said. And you just said it again in a different way. I think it'll make sense when you see it. (sighs) Fine. They hold out their hand. So, taking the letter, you can see that there are symbols on the, the front of the letter that just don't connect or make sense in your brain. It is the experience of seeing a language and and not being able to read it. Not that I think an adult would have looking at like a foreign language, but like the experience that a child would have before they know how to read. You know, you you are faintly aware that these symbols mean something. Um, and, you know, going on faith in, in your dear friend, Travis, that these symbols mean that this letter is meant for you. But despite them being normal letters, you knowing that they're normal letters, it, it doesn't connect in some way. Gable sort of puts this together and shows the posted side to Travis. So I'm guessing you can read what this says, right? Can I? Yeah, dude, because you hold their name. 
You have the Ocus that is the name Uriel. Mm. Technically mm. speaking, the letter could even be for you. Um, I, I can. Do you, would that answers questions, doesn't it? At the expense of sounding like I'm condescending, <laughs> I can read it to you if you like. No, oh, I, I, I'll be fine. And Gable's gonna carefully open it and see if they can actually read the text of the letter. I think you can. And ironically, I think Travis could not. Because, Gable, when you open the letter, you see script that you have not seen in over 200 years. You see the true written divine language of the angels. To us, the divine language would look like a picture of a feather. It is a trunk jutting out of it uh, different like geometric symbols that make up the, the different fronds upon the feather itself. So like, you know, reading through, I think this is something that, you know, even with Gable's fractured memory, sort of like remembering that humans wear clothes or what a Gable is uh, uh, in terms of architecture this is information that never left Gable's head. It just simply hasn't been relevant until this moment. But yes, this is the true language of angels. And the message is as follows. My dearest Uriel, I have written the introduction to this letter perhaps a dozen times, each iteration more embarrassing than the last. So I hope you will indulge me, old friend, by allowing me to skip the formalities due one of your brilliance and hear me when I say, I've missed you. I don't even know if you remember me. Maybe you do. Maybe you've found some lesser mote of your scattered divinity that has secreted within it one of our more quiet moments. Like the time you came to my aid at the most desperate hour and helped me sing my first solo of the harvest, even though it was not your duty. Or that time we sat formless at the gates of eternity and watched the light of a thousand worlds diminish and pass away. Or maybe it was a more embarrassing memory, like my uh, incessant weeping, or when I begged you to let me accompany you on a task to the world below, just so I could see the humans up close. Do you remember? I wish that you do. But if not, I will start anew. My name is Manephael, and while you perhaps do not remember my face, I very much remember yours. Once upon a time, we were friends, and I do hope that we might be so again. I cordially offer unto you an invitation to meet in person that we might share in each other and perhaps make an exchange. It has come into my possession a certain sliver of your divinity that I would wish you have in exchange for the sliver thou hast of mine. I can feel it now, empowered within you, distant but unmistakable. 
That is the problem with these things you know, powerful though they may be. Wear the feather of another, and the original owner will know. And while knowing you survive has brought me great joy, I would suspect your privacy is important to you. Therefore, come to Thornvale, my stronghold. There you will find me by the name Fethinavranti, Postmaster General of the Courier Service. And there, in Thornvale, you will find peace and safety from the prying eyes and grasping hands of this world for as long as you wish it. However, I do apologize that I can provide you no maps nor directions. Not even the courier who presented this letter can help you, such as the nature of Thornvale. But seek, and ye shall find. Ask, and it shall be answered. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I eagerly await your arrival, and I pray with such joys as you wish will rest upon your heart. Your friend eternally, Manephael, the angel bountiful, the harvest star, the generous one, the welcomed guest, Gable uh, folds up the letter, puts it very softly back in the envelope, and puts it in their lapel pocket. So even though you could read it every time it said Uriel, could you not see what that said? I would assume, yes. Just yeah. Little, yeah. And we, we can solidify the rules of this, like giving your name away to someone. And perhaps maybe you understand the name Uriel, but you don't understand that it applies to you. That We're in an interesting situation where Gable has recently recovered memories of the time they were named Uriel by Lucifer. Like, that is in Gable's memory. That, that is something that we reckoned with in the previous arc. But currently... And weirdly, cosmically, in the form of an Ocus, that name no longer belongs to them. So, you know, like this letter already kind of has hints of being distantly about a different person that you can barely remember, that you know technically is yourself, but doesn't feel like yourself right now. I think the first feeling is one of how did they no how did how could they find me and why now and i i think i sort of like immediately turn around and tell travis what what was in there because i don't think there's any big big secrets in there travis my question to you while gable was reading this letter uh were you just watching them read i think Travis was watching, but sort of like eyes glazed over and really thinking about the other letter in his pocket. Just feeling the weight of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying, trying to distract yourself from the, the, the call of that letter by 
focusing on the fact that Gable's also reading Letter with some cosmic destiny shit, and maybe I can live outside of my own stuff uh, if I focus on that. I do like that. See, what I don't understand is the reference to that myself containing part of this other being. I don't know what that is. And if they can feel it, anyone else can. That means I've got a target on my back. You actually, Gable, have more insight to this than you did uh, until really like a couple weeks ago. Because when you saw the, the, the prize at the bottom of the well, you knew that it was one of your feathers. Yes. And that is a feather that is in the Rusalka's possession but is not being used by the Rasalka. As you got close enough, like you kind of became aware of the dynamic. And the implication is that right now you have one of one of this angel's feathers on you. And because you have that, you can feel it. And you kind of now know when someone else has one of your feathers and is using it, you would be able to feel it. So like that is, that is sort of the conclusion that this letter is drawing for you. Do you think I could math, math it out and figure out which one? Yeah, probably. I'll, I'll, I'll sit on that <laughs> for a little bit. I'll sit on it. Well, it's not quite as heavy as it would have been a few weeks ago. I feel I'm overdue for a family reunion and seeing my sister in the state that she was in, I feel, you know... Maybe it's time for me to check in and see if everyone has turned into river monsters and ocean ogres and such. Got any? Got any quips? Got? Oh, you're so you're so silly. You're so stupid. You didn't even know that you had a body part that was belonged to someone else. Blah blah blah. I don't think it's um, silly at all. Sometimes. I've found recently that it takes someone else telling you something about yourself before you truly understand it. You mailed Margaret. You mailed her. You mailed your wife. Well. And you just got a letter back. <gasps> I knew it. What do you mean you knew, knew it? it? You didn't it. even you know. You got a letter from Margaret. Well, so uh, no, hold on. I do picture Gable in this moment of jubilation, like half inebriated too. I just pictured Gable reaching up into the tree mm-hmm. and holding Travis, like grabbing Travis and holding him like he's a cat. Like, a baby. like you mailed her. <laughs> I told you it would be so easy. It your shoulders are just your- up at your ears. <laughs> It would be no. so easy and would resolve a lot of that psychological tension you've been carrying since you saw her. What did she say? What did she say? Is she going to come hang out? I, I want to hang out. I didn't read it yet because what if what if she says she doesn't want to come hang out? Or what if she says what if it's some what if it's what if it's really from uh, uh, Jolly Jack and he says oh Margaret fell overboard and well, prob- probably not. You would. He, it's a good ship, and he's a smart guy, and she probably knows not to walk near perilous edges. I'm 
I can only take you so far as to bother you to mail your wife, and when the cycle is complete, if you are going to stop at the finish line with not reading the letter from your wife, then... Right now, this letter could say anything. Yes. But the moment I read it, then I'll know what it says. Or, maybe, the worst case of all, Mm -hmm. she does want to come here, or wherever here will be whenever whatever and what if we're pulled apart again or even worse what if she hangs around for a while and decides you know what I'm gonna move on it's very funny because there is no place else in your life where that path of thinking even applies You've never been a man of consequence. That's how I know that she's important to you. Because it's all fear. It's all... Every action is just motivated from the one feeling. Well, it's... Easy... To see no consequences when... You can't die. And... Your mortal enemy also can't die. And is constantly handcocking up at the worst times... Will you read it? I'd be happy to. And I don't want to know now. Just maybe we can both sit with it and you can tell me what it says in the morning. And I can tell you the parts of your letter that you couldn't read. Oh. It's a mighty big trade. You're going to have egg on your face when it's just a shopping list of things she wants you to get her. I'm reading it now. Fine soaps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that's a thing. Gable, as soon as you open this letter, what tumbles forth from it is a columbine flower. Oh. Yeah, and and a bunch of anthrax powder. (laughs) Both of you die... And that's the end of the show. Margaret did that. She gotcha. Uh, is a columbine, like a cut flower. It, you know, despite however long the, the journey it must have taken to get here, it is not dried. It is fresh, alive, and vibrant. All right, I'm going to read this. It's a long one, so talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> You know, I don't want to know what it says, but if you do need help sounding out any of the words, let me know. Shush, Interesting. Interesting. Can I believe how many soaps she wants? Truly, it's an impossible amount. I couldn't even begin to tell you. Do you think it would be easier for her to just buy them? Than to ask me to get them and ship them to her? It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not not fun to get a gift when you know what it's going to be. You don't know what the sales are going to be if she really, really wants that particular soap. It's easier to buy in bulk. It's it's like how when you go across the border and you're buying a carton of cigarettes for yourself, you call all your friends. You say, hey, I'm buying some cartons of cigarettes and they're cheaper. There's, you know, the taxes are lower here. Do you want me to pick you up a carton? She always was smart. 
thrifty, but not in a bad way. Mm -mm. I do appreciate you reading it. Of course. And maybe, um, maybe you can help me pick out the soaps tomorrow. Absolutely. Tomorrow morning. For now, Gable grabs him back from the tree limb and puts him on the ground and pats him down from leaves. We are going to celebrate our underage friend who we somehow have spent all, all of our time with. It's especially weird because we're so old. We're so old. And yet, don't make any sort of improvement in his life with our wisdom and knowledge. And we do have so much of both. Mm-hmm. It's really like he's squandering the opportunity when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's on him. We're not asking the right questions. It's not on us. We help those who help themselves. See? Like doctors. <laughs> In Sphere, I just want to clarify that the equivalent of the Hippocratic Oath is like, you only help people who really fucking come to you yeah. for it. <laughs> Not do don't, no harm. Don't make it easy. But it's, it's worth it. It's don't help anyone who's not meeting you halfway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think Jonnet always appreciates how lucky he is to have us. I think he appreciates us the exact appropriate amount. I just um, want to make sure it's clear I was talking. Forget it. <laughs> if I have to explain it, it's not worth it. I I don't get it. I don't I get I don't get what the, you were trying I, to I say. I was just I just kind of meant like you know, in that scenario, I was Jonnet and us was you. Oh, and I was just trying to show my appreciation for you without actually saying it, because oh, it's not really that's how very I sweet. Yeah, but that's now why it's I didn't like get it. you know that thing where um, you know, explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. So you keep on putting different frog parts back into it until it's a completely different frog. Mm -hmm. A frog of Theseus. Frogenstein's monster. Yeah. I'll just... I appreciate you. For the record, I also don't think Jonnet appreciates us enough. He doesn't. He really (laughs) doesn't. What happened to the flower that was included in the letter? Do you think Travis saw it or did Gable hide it? I think it would have been obvious, you know, that it was in there to either of you. I think as it fell out, they immediately like caught it. They were just holding it loosely in their hand as they read because they felt like that was the more important thing. And as they turn back to go head back to the party, Gable just puts a hand up and out with the flower in it. You can see now, if you saw it before at all, I think Gable probably it strikes you more so than it would Travis because I don't know that he would have had a good look at it. You can see now that the flower is a bud. It's not, it's not blooming right now, if that makes sense. Um, so you handed it to Travis or Gable? Handed uh, just it open him. hand waiting for you to take it. Yeah, Travis. Travis takes it. And I think he just puts it in his pocket, like replacing where the letter was. He puts the 
bud in his pocket. And the two walk back to the lights and sound of the village. The party and their lives together as they knew them. For that will change as tomorrow they wake in the wood. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we are coming up on the end of this arc, and I want to remind everyone that you can expect the usual one to two week break at the end of the arc where we give Casey a breather and we prepare ourselves to face the story ahead. As part of that, I'm going to be putting together my end of arc notes, and if there are any listener questions, I would love to hear them. You can ask a question either by responding to the post I put on Twitter or sending an email to campaign at oneshotpodcast.com and putting end-of-arc question in the title of your email. Today, on the day this episode is released, I'll be streaming a new episode of The Social Quarter Circle, my new fighting game hangout stream for tabletop role-playing game creators. So at 2.30pm Central Time, be sure to head over to twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg to hang out with me and some other tabletop creators as we play Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. And be sure to catch the next Social Quarter Circle stream on October 26th. I also want to note the One Shot Podcast Network is currently migrating our shows to a new host. We have not hit the redirect button yet. We are just setting up the new feeds, but I expect us to start that redirect within the next couple weeks. Which I mention here because if you have trouble getting episodes from your feed, you may have to delete the feed and resubscribe if something goes wrong with the redirect. I am not expecting any problems, but problems have happened in the past, and I don't want anyone to be missing out on the show. This show will not pod fade. That is not our style. So watch this space. Uh, It'll probably be a couple weeks after we finish our migration that you might start hearing ads on the feed, but that is a thing that's coming. Just want to make sure everybody is prepared for that and isn't weirded out when it starts happening. I want to take a quick moment and shout out to thank all of our fabulous guests for this arc. This was the most guest-heavy arc that we've ever featured on the show, and the guest performances were incredible. Thank you to Bees, Rashawn, Mel, and Drew. I was so happy to perform with each and every one of you. And of course, we were able to have those guest appearances because of our patrons. Our patrons provide the funding for us to do every piece of this show. That is paying performers, getting equipment, paying our editor, Casey, and our editing team, Tracy and Joe. Without our patrons, we would not be able to do any of the incredible stuff that we can do. Thank you all so much. And if you're listening and you want to hear more of this show and watch us do more incredible things, head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to support us. We do have some new Skyjacks content in the hopper, but we just posted the first part of a brand new bonus series we're doing. I, along with my spouse, Mel D'Amato, and Allie Grauer and Drew Merzieski, who you might recognize from Skyjack's Courier's Call, I'm starting a new campaign that we are releasing exclusively to our patrons. 
it was originally going to be Spelljammer, but obviously Wizards of the Coast really just just pooped the whole bed on that. Uh, so we did release our initial world building session when we thought we were going to be doing Spelljammer. Uh, we have since changed systems and settings, though we've kept the same characters so that world building information is still relevant. Uh, I'm very excited about this new campaign. I actually just wrapped up a session of it right before I hopped on to record this. If you like what we're doing here on Skyjacks, I, I think you're also going to enjoy this and you get it at the $5 level. Now then. With all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Having been caught in the middle of two parents wanting to have their own independent, separate lives, but also trying to force these two puzzle pieces together and realizing that everyone just has to have their their side out and not knowing where to place the blame. Now the blame is nowhere to be placed and we just have to continue living in this. Um, Zana pushes in, opens up a cabinet, pulls out bowls. Just This is the anxious like comforter like uh, <laughs> thing like it's a natural like this is my role in the family if we can't move on until we this happens pulling out bowls dumping in rice scooping out this gumbo pot that's been stewing for hours and hours and hours and only gets better the longer it's been together metaphorical <laughs> the, like dolloping us all bowls even um even your captain <laughs> i i press a bowl into your hand Tell everyone, sit down at the table. We need to be on the same level. Sit down. Very well, Zona Kessler. <sighs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, sits down and really it's just like kind of like a resigned acceptance of this, but turns to Douglas and is like, Dad. Douglas hasn't moved. Mm. Please, Dad, sit down. Come on, Dad. There's no need to be angry anymore. Everyone knows why each other is angry. There's no there's no one to place the blame on. This is a collective thing that happened. Just going to be angry for the rest of your life? I thought I was going to be a lot of things for the rest of my life. There's still time to be whoever you want to be. That's what you just told me. I'm not talking about aspirations. I'm not talking about dreams lost or deferred or put aside I'm talking about meeting someone who you felt you were going to spend the rest of your life with and build something just to find out that after years of suffering by yourself in silence having to put on a brave face for everybody else because you are the pillar you are the rock you are the only one left that it was out of a choice that couldn't even just not even be given the decency Douglas what did you want me to do I don't know I don't know somehow let me know you were okay 
just somehow let me know that something was going on and that you, you would you would figure out a way to 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 fix it that we would somehow be okay that that I that you weren't dead I thought about doing that so many times and every time I thought about what might happen if I indulge that little fantasy every time do you seriously think I give a damn about these red feathers I know how they work I know how they operate I was one of them. Then you should understand exactly what I did. Because, Douglas, I I want you to realize that after that moment, (laughs) after that moment, I wasn't Winona Kessler, a a a red feather captain. I was Dantonia Crossblade, a corsair. You and the children would have been criminals for even being related to me. You could have been locked away in some dungeon or worse for the rest of your lives to get back at me. If they had a hint, an indication of what went on. You didn't try it at all to reach out, Mom? No. I didn't try. Not once. The alternative... (sighs) I died that day. No matter what, being on that ship at that point in the air, having a Corsair hit that ship, you either die or you let the feathers let you rot away. What I did was unthinkable. I took the ship and I used it against the Red Feathers because I saw exactly the kind of life that they had set me to live. I don't think what I did, I don't think it was right, but I don't think there was a righter thing to do. So how do we live with a ghost? No one says you have to. Dad, how do you live with a ghost? I don't know if I can. I'm going to bed. This is, I I want to be supportive of both of you, but it seems like you have to find the resolve between the two of you. If any of us can go forward, because I want a mom and I want a dad and I want a brother and I want a brother's captain. (laughs) (laughs) I would love resolve. I would love to live in a world where everything is great, but obviously it's not. Either you're going to live with this hurt, or what was the point of this conversation? Look, it's not fair for whatever this is to ruin what you two have worked so hard to accomplish. You talk about gobblenock? This is... This has nothing Wait, to do with I'm not Gobble. just talking about Gobblenock. I'm not just talking about Gobblenock. I'm talking about my kids coming home, seeing not just me, but each other after being away for so long. This is supposed to be you both, whatever adventures, whatever troubles, trials you've been through, this is supposed to be a re- 
just a break from all that and not just more drama thrown in your face. So well, I'm sorry. We can't go back in time. Yeah. This is literally what's happening to us right now. Mom, dad, you can try to protect us from everything in the world. You can, but bad things will still happen. Life is still going to happen. I, I, dad. And then he kind of points to his head again. Dad, when I open this eye, I can see a million different ways of how things can continue on, how the future can unwind. At no point, well, well, I guess in this uh, one arc uh, that we did uh, kind of recently, <laughs> it did go to the past, but... <laughs> what? What's he talking about? Is it, he having an aside to himself? I was, <laughs> we don't see I launched flashback. into something, and then I thought of a thing that kind of counteracted what I was going to say. I was going to say is, I can see the future. <laughs> I, it never tries Boy, to show me the past. No, no, it... What? Are you on rope? That boy on No, drugs. I'm not I'm not on rope. I have you, tried you, you it. And it's it's better than no, it's better than what you like uh made me think it was. All right. All right. I think so it's you in have moderation. Been roping. I have <laughs> roped. I have roped. I did <gasps> smoke Ooh. rope. Ooh, I smoke rope. Here roping. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You got something to tell me, baby. You got something to tell me. Are, no, are daddy, I would never math? rope. No, 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 no. <laughs> not me. Okay, no, I'm just saying. I, I, I write down on my feather, yeah, I do rope. <laughs> <laughs> I do rope all the time. <laughs> yes, I love these feathers. <laughs> We've been through some shit, but I'm not going down for this. <laughs> mm. Papa, I would never rope. <laughs> I guess I'm just Daddy, trying to no. say is you can't turn back. You can't change what's already happened. And I guess it just, I just want, I've missed you, mom. And I, I want to know what you've been up to. And dad, you've got to be okay with that. Your father deserves to be angry. I got into a position where I felt like every single thing I could possibly do was selfish. I could have let Ormar strike me down when he hit that ship and gone down with the ship and died knowing that the feathers would have at least thrown a few gold bars to my family to make up for my passing. I could have surrendered the ship and our goods and gone back to the Red Feathers unscathed and gone back to my family with no money and no way of supporting us. I did run off to fight against the Feathers. And I could have reached out to you to alleviate the pain that I felt from walking away, from throwing away the life that I had. But that would feel selfish because I thought, I knew that that would put you in crosshairs. And ultimately what I did was selfish as well. I didn't reach out and I kept it to myself. And when my own daughter showed up on my ship, I hid it from her because I couldn't face the pain of everything that I felt I had to do. It is too much to ask your father to be okay 
with any of the choices that I've made. If you want me to be a part of your life, I will. But I don't have to be a part of anyone's. And if you want to turn me away, you're entitled to that too. Douglas, I'm not asking you for forgiveness. There's no part of me that feels like I deserve it. But I do hope this family can be whatever it is. And I do hope that I can do something to make it up to you. But I have no idea what that could possibly be. For starters, and he's going to point his honor, you can keep making sure her badass is out of trouble. I can do that. He's going to turn to Oromar. I apologize for the way I've been towards you. Your distress was understandable, Douglas Kessler. Do not dwell on it. Even so, I still owe you an apology. And I thank you for how you've taken care of my son. Mm. Arma stands up from the table. The uh, bowl of gombo, unfortunately uneaten. For if he did eat any of it, oh, it would uh, prevent him from being able to speak. So <laughs> he figures it was more polite to not eat any and walks over to Douglas and stares down at you. Douglas Kessler, your son, Jonat Kessler, is one of the most resourceful, energetic, optimistic, and reliable people that have ever had to look after as a member of the Uhuru. You should be incredibly proud of him. And he offers a hand for a handshake. Not a day has ever gone by, or will ever go by, that I'm not proud of this boy. And he's going to shake your hand. Mm. It's cold, but um, there is no test of strength. And he yeah, no. Zona Kessler, uh, apologies for not being able to eat your cooking. However, I was holding the bowl while we were having the conversation, and as I understand, it was piping hot. <laughs> I love, I love that. I can't think of a compliment. It was served at the appropriate temperature, and I hope... <laughs> it was. Your food was adequately heated. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for these statements of fact. <laughs> I, I, I take the bowl, and I wipe up any sort of like mess that may have gotten on your hands. Thank you, Captain. And I put the bowl away. Captain of the Storm... However, you should choose to identify in the time going forward. Um, I know more than anybody else that uh, one's body and identity is infinitely malleable. Thank you for um, fighting the good fight, he says curtly. She's wrestling with a lot of emotion right now, but she does not. I would like to um, ask a favor 
of your career, one of the many. <laughs> and what might that be? Equally embrace the family you have and the new families that you forge in your time as captain. That I think I can do. And I have to imagine, we never really truly described what the heart of the bandit queen looks like. But we do know that it is 100 favors promised to you by the Tempest Armada. Mm -hmm. And I guess we do know that the stone itself is is, uh, lapis lazuli. Mm. I have to imagine like embedded in it, there are jewels and like one of them cracks and turns black. Yeah, no, Aramon did not make that that request lightly. I shall be returning to the Uhuru. John at Kessler, feel free to uh, spend the night here. However, if you do need any resources or assistance from the Uhuru, he smiles slightly strained, but manages. I believe you have a way of contacting me. Holds up the feather. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up if I need you. Good evening, all. And he bows and leaves. He turns back to Zana. That's my captain. He's so mysterious. I, I love know. him. And you really have to lean in. I could barely hear him. I know. Apologies. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, doing the register makes me slightly. Doing the lower register makes me slightly quieter. Hopefully, that will be yeah, fine go, on uh-huh. tape. Well, uh, hey, Casey and Joe and. I did it out. Tracy, one of them will figure it out. For real though, Nathan, my voiceovers have changed since recording with you because I'm like, all right, I need to, if I'm doing these characters, like, I need to get on the mic. I need to get on the mic. (laughs) (laughs) And it works. Jonnet watches uh, the captain leave and then kind of turns back to everybody. Okay, so. Want to play a board game? <laughs> I was gonna ask, where's everybody gonna sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom, dad. Ooh, that sounds so strange. It's woven together, but um, I guess we can share our old room. Yeah, bro. That's yeah, not a problem. Of course. And you two can, Captain D'Antonio, as. As a, a, a act of hospitality, you are welcome to use uh, my room. I will be in my uh, workshop sleeping tonight. Respectfully, that all, that gesture is too great for me to feel comfortable accepting. If if I could ask a different act of charity. Sure. A conversation between you and I. Okay, good night. Yeah, I'm going to go anywhere other than here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anywhere other than here. I got us matching pajamas for your birthday, so uh, let's I go. I love this. them. Let's Wait, go. before either of you go anywhere, yeah. I know y'all going to eat some of that gumbo that I made. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, my yeah, bowl yeah. is clean for sure. <laughs> John, it's like shoving uh-huh it's very it's mm-hmm. very warm get some of that bread too mm-hmm. all right. i don't like corn oh, bread. The garlic. Oh. 
Zana, don't make me don't. Pew! She takes off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess this way and leads uh, just kind of like motions towards the kitchen. And D'Antonia, Winona, whatever name you would call her, she follows. And we leave the Kessler household in an uneasy but quiet light that dances from the window. And when this family awakes, be it reunited or badly repaired or painfully severed, it awakes in the wood. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. We actually, let's go to John at Kessler. John at Kessler, you awake in your childhood bedroom. <laughs> there are birds singing. There is light piercing down. It hits your eyes. You blink, maybe with your two eyes, maybe with your third, up at the sunlight that you realize is piercing down through boughs of branches as your childhood bed is in the middle of a verdant expanse of trunks, of trees, of dirt, and fallen leaves. Zana? Dad? Scotty Jackson. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like OneShot. Take it from me, heroes, the most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, I, your host, James D'Amato, bring you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to find new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for The Shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. 
Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near to rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.